This is Joe Burns. And Chad P. Hey, thanks for listening to the Rock School Podcast. We think you'll learn something. Now remember, if you want to hear the show with all the music in place, go to kslu.org and stream the show live Thursdays at 5. And Sundays at 4. It's a new show every week. Now enjoy this week's Rock School radio show. Portions of the day's programming are reproduced by means of electrical transcriptions or tape recordings. It's time for school. Rock School. With your hosts, Dr. Joe Burns. Well, I drank it there, but I drank decaf. They, uh, I know, nerds. And Chad P. Rock School is now on Twitter with the hashtag Joe, you're an idiot. Class is in. Hey, this is Rock School here on the Rock School Radio Network. Uh, question. And, uh, Can we kick uh, off the class with a question? I have I'm, a question. I was about to do our names here. Yeah, but, but I, I have, have a question. I see. In the back with a question. Yeah. yeah go ahead. Uh, why are you drinking a Starbucks and dressed <laughs> like a lumberjack? <laughs> it's actually a decaf Starbucks. I'm getting old and I have to, I just had my birthday, by the way, 48. So now I'm into decaf coffee. You and, got that flannel so, shirt for your birthday? What I did. Look, like jeans with ripped knees oh, wow. and such. Look at that. This is a topic today that we have. Oh, by the way, Joe Burns. Chad P. Good. This is a topic today that we have been asked by listeners to attack, and I've never wanted to attack it because I don't really know a whole lot about it. Oh. Talking about grunge today. You know about grunge? Well, what are I you mean, talking I know about? a little bit about the music and such, but I've never really delved into the music past just, gee, I like this. Mm-hmm. Why am I doing it now? I had the pleasure of spending three days in Seattle. Look at that. I know. I enjoyed it a whole lot. Furthermore, I went on to Alaska after Seattle, but I spent these three days in Alaska, and I spent time at the Experience Music Project. Now, this is a, a well, it's sort of a, a rock and roll shrine, if you will, out on the West Coast in yeah. Seattle, put together by one of the founders of Microsoft. But what was nice about it is... While I was there, the Nirvana exhibit was there. Mm -hmm. And lots of people were in that were fans of Nirvana and blatant grunge fans. And the curator of the exhibit was there. And I just got to sit and talk with these people. And I just kept saying, you know, explain grunge to me and and started getting some background to it. And (laughs) was that before or after you told them to cheer up? No, no. These were actually very happy people. I know what you're expecting, just sitting around going, oh, everybody hates me. Nonconformists. Seemed very happy people. So, uh, And and the the whole town, what was interesting is you always hear about Seattle being rainy and Mm -hmm. ugly and what have you. We hit it just perfect. Every day, 75 and bright sunshine. (laughs) So apparently I hit it when everybody was nice and happy. What was nice about it is they sat down, because there was chairs all over the place. You yeah. could sit down and watch movies and sit down and listen to music and sit down and listen to all kinds of stuff. But I sat down in little groups, little cluster groups with people, and they just told me, this is what we think. Because they were around when it happened. The yeah, old yeah. statement is, you know, if, if you know where the term grunge came from, you weren't around to hear it. <laughs> so you weren't, you weren't part of the movement. Uh-huh. And... When I started talking about smells like teen spirit, most of the people I spoke to stated that was the end of it. 
that was where the movement died. When it became national, that was sort of the the death knell of the Seattle grunge movement. So it's like the, when it became mainstream and right. everybody knew about it, that's when right. it was that's done. That's when the fun died. Now, I'm only telling you what these people said. Yeah, yeah. So it, it could very well be the people immediately outside of, you know, listening to the radio right now just rolled their eyes. Oh, that's not true. But once... You know the 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 Nirvana got outside of Bleach and got picked up by a national and sort of took off and all of a sudden on the runways of New York during Fashion Week they're walking in ripped jeans and lumberjack shirts all of a sudden grunge was national and mm-hmm. got picked up in clubs it was over yeah. our little fun thing up in the uh, Pacific Northwest. Was done. Well, yeah, because they didn't do it to be popular. They no, did it they to did be, it because it was their thing. It was their thing. It was unique to them. And then once everyone starts doing it, it's kind of like, ah, okay, right. So I said to these to these people, nice people, uh, what do I play? What you know, if I was doing a radio show, and I, it came out a little later on that I was putting <laughs> together a radio show. If I was to play, what would I play? And they gave me all these bands that you gotta play. You know, you can play Nirvana if you want, obviously, but don't you know, don't play Smells Like Teen Spirit. Yeah, play other stuff. Yeah, and I said, well, what do you gotta play? Melvins. Every one of them. You gotta play the Melvins. Melvins. Maybe the best grunge band around. And I said, well, okay, what do I play? Revolve. I mean, it was one of these things where every one of the Melvins, 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 and you got to play Revolve. So I guess it's kind of like if you came down here and right. said, hey, I'm doing a radio show on Grunge. What do you play? Oh, Smells Like Teen Spirit by Nirvana. Right. Once you get up there, uh-huh. what do you got to play? Melvins. Got to play. There were other bands, but Melvins was said by every one of them. Let's and hear it. What do you got to play? Revolve. I want to hear it. Sounds like this. Watch this. Uh-huh. Melvins. Uh-huh. Heavy. Now, we've played the Melvins before on this show. When? We did. We did a, a punk show not too long ago, and we played the Melvins as part of them. But only a small, short, sort of two-minute like song of the Melvins. Yeah, a little short okay. snippet of it. But that was a longer one, Revolved. Let yeah. me ask you this. Sure. So you were sitting among the Grungers. Sure. Okay, and you asked, what should I play? And they play? were my age, too. That was what was fun about it. All unanimously, oh, Melvins, Revolvers. Melvins. Now, other groups were brought up. I'm sure, I'm sure. If if you were down here conducting that focus group, so to speak, sure. and you say, hey, we're going to talk about grunge, who do you know? I know about four or five bands that automatically pop up in my head. Alice they're in here. Chains, they're here. Soundgarden, Pearl Jam, right. Stone Temple Pilots. Right, Silverchair, that was so, another yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So I'm just, and I have them, but okay. I don't have the songs that you know. Like, uh, I don't have by Soundgarden, like... Uh, Black Hole Sun. Right, Black Hole Sun, that kind of thing. I have before the... Like it all took off. Ah, gotcha. That's, okay. When I don't, I'm trying to equate to, equate it. Like when you hear, I'm trying to think, uh, uh, like the hair metal thing. Uh-huh. When you think Motley Crue, yeah. you think uh, Doctor Feelgood, sure. that kind of thing. Absolutely. But way back when, shout at the devil. That's when people would probably say, well, that's when hair metal was best. That ah, kind gotcha. of thing. They again, these people stated it was best before. You know, it got as, popular. As they were saying before they were walking down the runway right. in ripped jeans and lumberjack Well, I, I read the autobiography for the lead singer of Fozzie, and uh-huh. he said, you know, back in the day when I actually knew about Metallica before Metallica 
released the Black Album, and everyone right. knew who Metallica was. When they went mainstream, I felt deceived. I was like, no, that's my dirty little metal yeah. secret. And well, so there's you know, something about when a band gets exposed and goes out there and becomes mainstream. Yeah, none of these people were upset over this. None of the people decried the band for it. You know, none of them said, "Well, I thought it was terrible that they had mainstream success." No, no, God saying, bless them; they right, were happy right. but with they, it. But they also declared that, "Oh, the day it got popular was the day it was it kind died. of yeah. over. Mm-hmm. It was kind of the whole world showed up in Seattle. It was our little thing, and then it was sort of now all of a sudden all the people are here. They yeah. just came and started plucking our bands sure. away. But you know, none of them decried them. God bless them. Good for you. I'm, I'm glad you made a zillion dollars. Wish I had done it. Yeah, you know that kind of thing." Okay, why is it called grunge? I don't know. This I didn't get from anybody there. This I got from a source. It came supposedly from musician Mark Arm. And I'm going to play one from a guy, Mark Arm, here in just a little bit. He described in an e-zine or a zine back from 1981 called Desperate Times, he referred to one of his early bands as pure noise, pure grunge. Uh-huh. And it got picked up. People just thought that was pretty cool. Sub-pop record founder Bruce Pavitt used the term as a musical label to describe Green River, which was a band that Arm was in. Now, he eventually split and went into other bands, one of which we're going to play here in just a minute, right. which was one of the earliest bands. The question is, what was one of the first bands? What was the first grunge band? Some people say it was a Mark Arm band. Could it be Green River? You know, it's like saying what was the first rock and roll song. Who knows? What time frame are we talking about? Back in 81. Back 80, All the way back then? Oh, sure. That's where the term actually came from. The question is, what's the first one? Grunge is really a connection between metal and punk. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't the punk like you think of out of New York City where the bands are sort of, you know, nasty to the audience. Yeah. No, it was was a good relationship between the audience. Sometimes it's referred to as like alt-metal. Yeah, that kind of thing. But it had this punk influence Uh where the, you know, you could surf with the crowd and such. They weren't hateful to the crowd. You stink. No, they were with the crowd. The yeah. crowd was for them. That's why it was such this tight little thing. Friendly punk. You got it. Friendly <laughs> punk. Green River uh-huh. comes up all the time. The Melvins come up all the time. And it may also be another Mark Arm band called Mud Honey. And some people point to this song as the first grunge song from Mud Honey. Touch Me, I'm Sick. Maybe. <laughs> Sounds like this. Rockstool. I'm talking about grunge today, and it's mainly because I made a trip to Seattle. It's not a music genre that I knew a great deal about. While I was talking to the people there at the EMP, the Experience Music Project, I just asked them a straightforward question. Why Seattle? Because had you ever heard about any musicians coming out of Seattle other than maybe Heart or The Ventures? Not really, but yeah, I mean... because, you know, I know what you're going to say. It had to start somewhere. That's exactly what I was going to say. But why Seattle? Why there not? Such, I, I know what you're getting at. You know, they, you never predicate an argument on if. You know, if it hadn't happened here, it had to happen somewhere else. Well, you but, say, like, you know, where's the blues uh, discovered? Mississippi. Why Mississippi? Well, I can tell you why Mississippi. Because you had a group of people in Mississippi that were performing music music as their only outlet. Okay. I mean, there's, there's an epistemology as to why the music started in Mississippi. Why Seattle? Well, I would think the majority of the bands is where they were from. I, yeah, I, that makes sense. So I, I asked, you know, why Seattle? What did they say? It says, 
mainly because they were being ignored by most major labels and most major bands. People just weren't coming around to Seattle. It wasn't seen as a major place to be. <laughs> so it was insulated. <laughs> no, think about that. It was no, no, insulated. No, no. It I didn't have outside it. influences. It kind of makes me laugh because so you got this band who's trying to get the attention. They they want to have success. Right. They're playing. Nobody's noticing. So they're going to go up to the West Coast and just kind of do their thing. Because well, you go nobody... to Los Angeles when you go to the West Coast. You go to San Francisco. You don't think, I'll that? go to Seattle. <laughs> what I'm saying, nobody's noticing them. And so they're up there just kind of making this noise. But then whenever they do get noticed, oh, great. Yeah. Oh, it's over. <laughs> it's well, over. What, what, what do you expect? Well, think about when it came out. It was it, it it was punky. It was metally when the world heard of Nirvana. Well, it was new. It, it was, was something it new. It was so brand new because when it was it was sort of an insulated sound that came out and people went "guh." Now people who look at grunge kind of would go, "Nah, it wasn't anything new. It was just punk reinvented and such." But compared to what was happening at the time, the hair metal and all of that, it was brand spanking new. But see. It, it it was something. Yeah, I think you're half right there, and, I'm, and you're not saying that Nirvana came along and changed everything. But a lot of naysayers are just by people kind of out of the ordinary way of thinking would say you had all these big hair metal bands in the '80s, and then Nirvana came along in the '90s, and bam, there was grunge. Not really. No, no bam. No bam about it. Grunge. In fact, Ralph Wood has said a thousand times oh, he I can know. draw a line <laughs> from the punk of the seventies right to Nirvana. Oh, I know. When I said and Nirvana, I he, he threw something at me. But the thing is, he can by doing that. It was an insulated area mm-hmm. that it was allowed to sort of grow like that. Sure. And another thing that people said: Well, the weather sucks. You stay indoor a lot, <laughs> and you have <laughs> nothing to do but play <laughs> to play your music. It was a closed universe, and the two types of music that took off in that area were punk and metal. Mm -hmm. There were other kinds of music, but the young kids at that time were listening to punk and metal. So why Seattle? That's the reason they suggested it was Seattle. And because it was a closed scene, little local labels popped up and little tiny fanzines popped up to serve it. It was its own sort of little universe, which is why when the United States finally found it, it was something so dang new mm-hmm. and out of the clear blue. So that's at least the theory. Is it is it right? I don't know. It's a theory. We as a society embrace new things. And it, it's we new. Do. You know, it's not that we don't like what's going on now, but whenever something else comes along that we kind of like, we're like, oh, okay, that's something new, something well, original. Who knows? Maybe really the hurt. world's going to turn their attention to, you know, North Dakota. <laughs> and out of North Dakota is going to become, you know, farm kid music. Uh-huh. Who knows? For our Who two knows? listeners in North Dakota. That's how you do it. There's a chance. That's right. Here's another band that came up. You got to play Malfunction. Who? Malfunction. It's one is. of the early, early. Do you know them? No, I no. said I don't know who that is. Brand new. They said these are the people that you got to play. And then the song they suggested was Until the Ocean. Sounds like this. Rock School. First break here on Rock School, and you were giving me heck offline. I wasn't giving you any heck. I just wondered. No, 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 no. Go ahead. Well, you go out there, and you want to know about this topic that we call grunge. It bored my wife to tears. 
luckily, luckily at the EMP, the Experience Music Project, there was also an ACDC thing going on. Perfect. So she walked around and looked and she kept go. coming back and looking at me and going, Angus Young is really little. Because <laughs> they had his clothing up there. When you're asking them about like all these bands and everything, yeah. did it ever occur to you that they just might be pulling your leg no, and give I'll, you, you know, yeah. oh, who's the best grunge band? Captain Geach and the Shrimp Shack Shooters. <laughs> no, what they did do, what was nice about it is the two guys that worked there, they sent me down to First Street. Seattle's much like New York City. First Street, Second Street, Third Street. It was, I mean, it was ridiculously simple to get around. All right. But they sent me down to First Street to a real old used bookstore. It's very college-y in the mm-hmm. town. Uh, and they're not kidding about coffee. I mean coffee every three places. Yeah. I mean, every third place sells you coffee. And you don't drink coffee. Well, I drank it there, but I drank decaf. They, I know, nerd. Yeah, um, you are. They sent me down to this really nice used bookstore that had a huge music section. Mm-hmm. And the woman that was there, they called ahead, believe it or not. This yeah. guy's coming, you know. <laughs> and she had pulled off the shelf an encyclopedia of Northwestern rock music. Really? And I'll, I have it up in my office. I can show it to you. I didn't bring it with me today because uh, I'm only dealing with grunge, but I also have enough music to deal with just a show on the music of Seattle. Mm -hmm. But all of these bands were in it. Somebody in, I guess it was Oregon, wrote the book. But it was every band that came from Oregon North, Uh including all of Portland and everything in Seattle and Olympia and everything around there. And every one of these bands is in there and explaining how they were put together and, and all that good stuff. That's cool. When, one thing I did find out that was interesting in the Nirvana exhibit, Kurt Cobain was weird to the nth degree. He used to collect meat in cans. Canned meat? Yeah. He would, everywhere he toured, he thought it was interesting that you would buy meat in cans. And he didn't just have potted meat. He had meat from all over the world in cans. And when you went into this one room to watch live performances of Nirvana, and Mm -hmm. they were pretty gosh darn good live, Mm -hmm. I got to tell you. There, off to the left, was this huge collection of meat in cans. And while... Next to me is the first live performance of Smells Like Teen Spirit, uh-huh. you know, at blaring in my ears. I'm sitting there looking at the, meat the Vienna sausage. in cans <laughs> from all over the world, thinking to myself, this guy's a musical genius, and this is where he decided to place his money. To each his own, Doc. Yeah. You, Go you, figure. You do woodworking projects and collect guitar picks. If he yeah. wants to collect canned meat, let him collect canned meat. I guess. Yeah. We'll be back in just a minute to talk about the reason, many people believe, that grunge got out to the world. Well, one of the reasons. Maybe it was Melody Maker magazine. Maybe it was Sub Pop. We'll see what happens. We'll see. I'll tell you both. You make the decision. Hello, Radio Universe. Dad, Solomon Payne. Thanks for running the radio show. Hello, KSCL in Shreveport, Louisiana. The, say, the leading dare. bidder for yeah. Kurt Cobain's canned meat collection. Okay, I thought you were going to say grunge was created in Seattle. I oh, was going to no. get in you. Shreveport? On that one. No, 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 no. It's, it's, it's secondarily started there. <laughs> uh, get us on Facebook. Search Rock School Radio Show and like us. You really like us. Back in a minute, Rock School. Okay, out of the first break, you can't talk grunge without talking about the label Sub Pop. Don't have a lot of time before the bottom of the hour, so 
know this. There is a label, was, still is actually, but at the time, a label called Sub Pop. Started in 1986 by a couple of guys, Bruce Pavitt and Jonathan Poneman, I believe is how you pronounce it. I could be doing that wrong. Could be Poneman, P-O-N-E-M-A-N. Started in Seattle, Washington. I'm going to tell you a little more about Sub Pop in a little bit. But in November of 1988, something called the Sub Pop Singles Club kicks off. Now, this was Sub Pop's sort of entry into getting people to know more about their uh, record label, if you will. They signed bands, created a single, and if you signed up for their singles club, they sent you a single. Mm-hmm. The very first one had 2,000 subscribers. What was really neat about it is the very first one was put out by Nirvana. Nice. Yeah. So hopefully you have one of the first 2,000 of them. Haven't thrown it away because, you know, Nirvana wasn't Nirvana at the time. Yeah. So, what was the first single released by Nirvana by this sub pop singles club? It was called Love Buzz, and it sounded like this Rock School. Love Buzz, uh, Nirvana here on Rock School. Not bad, not bad. You want to hear something interesting? Sure. The Again, while I was at the EMP, the Nirvana display was there, mm-hmm. and they had stuff from Nirvana that was really neat, sort of the, the first incarnations of the albums and the, the original artwork of Bleach and yeah. such. The original sub-pop contract mm-hmm. with Nirvana was there. Would you like to hear the terms of it? Oh, please. Nirvana's contract was sub-pop. Two option years, 1989 and 1990, it was for three complete albums. Mm -hmm. The first album gave them a, ready for this? Yeah. $600 advance (laughs) recoupable against royalties. So the advance was actually a draw. So once they received $600, Nirvana had to sort of give that back. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, the first album, 12K for the second and 24K for the third. That's all I got. After that, it went on to secondary pages. So all told, they would have to give back, what's that, 300 plus 12 plus 24K, whatever that comes out to be. That's all the more they were going to make from Sub Pop. Luckily, they got picked up by, who had them actually? Geffen Records. So they made a little bit more money from Geffen Records. Just a bit. Sure. Welcome to the bottom of the hour. My name is Joe Burns. I'm Chad P. Let's do seven days and 70 seconds. You talked about Silver Chair. We'll come out of these uh, seven days and 70 seconds with Silver Chair. Man, Uh, these dates, uh, seven days, 70 seconds, September 17th, all the way through September 23rd. I think David Lee Roth is on Monday. Talk about him. Go. David Lee Roth, that guy, that crazy guy. In 2003, he needs 21 stitches to close a wound on his face. Yep. Why? He cut himself with a samurai sword on stage, and then the remainder of his tour was canceled two days later. Right, he cut himself over the eyes, and you just can't go out and scream and tear your face open and bleed into your eyes again. No. September 18th, 1978, the four KISS members' solo albums are released. I own two of them. Which two? 
Uh, bassist Gene Simmons, guitarist Ace Freely. Oh, cool. Yes. Okay. September 19th, 1997, VH1's Storyteller airs for the first time. It was a 90-minute show featuring Elton John and airing live from the New Orleans House of Blues. Hooray! September 20th, 1975, Bruce Springsteen releases Born to Run and Ralph Wood's Life Was Complete. <laughs> September 21st, 2001, America, a tribute to the heroes, airs on all major television networks, raises over $150 million, features a slew of top rock and pop stars playing for free. Yep, September 22nd, 1992. Here's another one for Ralph. MTV renames itself from MTV Unplugged to MTV Plugged just for one episode because Bruce Springsteen played part of his set with electric instruments. What the boss wants to do, it's right. He gets to do. The boss wishes to do. September 23rd, 1991. Izzy Stradlin leaves Guns N' Roses. Do you know who replaces him? Yeah, Gilby Clark. Good for you. I like Izzy Stradlin. I really So did. did I. The original lineup was the best. Too bad the drummer decided to crawl into a needle. Do you know that all Guns N' Roses fans, after attending Guns N' Roses concerts, right. contracted lung cancer from just secondhand smoke? <laughs> it's true. Yeah, it might be. Here you go, Silver Chair. This is tomorrow from the Frog Stomp LP. Right here, Rock School. It's 12 o'clock and it's a wonderful day. I know. All right, let's talk about Sub Pop. Obviously, I mentioned them because I wanted to get into Nirvana and play Love Buzz and talk about the Sub Pop Singles Club. When you were looking at that contract a while ago for between Sub Pop and Nirvana, you yeah. said that was 1989, 1990, or 19... It had two option years. It was signed 88, two 88? option years, okay. 89, 90. You know, I realize that we're in the 80s, but that's yeah. not a lot of money. No, it was terrible. Yeah, that's a matter really of bad. Fact. Sure, uh, Sub Pop was a nothing less now it's seen as the label that started grunge but back then grunge was just a little independent label these people were just trying to get their stuff out it would be like you and me starting a label okay the sub pop label was started on forty three thousand dollars ah that's all I they got you. had i got you that's so, the extent of it so to us that's not a lot of money to them and i was like this is half of what we own sure okay. we can we can look we can rent a, a rider truck and start to move <laughs> around a little bit Woo-hoo. awesome sub pop uh-huh. the label title comes from the fact that one of the guys, Bruce Pavitt, started writing a fanzine called Subterranean Pop, which gets picked up by a local newspaper, uh, The Rocket, and he starts writing something called Sub Pop USA, Uh a column that he stops writing in 1988. Why? Because he starts running an independent record label called (laughs) Sub Pop. I don't have time to write the column, guys. (laughs) I'm kind of busy. Pavitt and Poneman quits their jobs. They start Sub Pop with $43,000. They incorporated in April of that year. Mm -hmm. The first bands they put out are the bands you've already heard. Mud Honey with former members of Green River. That's their first single. We've already played it. Touch Me, I'm Sick. Uh, only 800 copies go out. They're trying to create demand. They're trying to save, uh, trying to get people interested in it. Right. I said again, in November of 1988, the Sub Pop Singles Club starts. Yeah. And the first single that's put out is by this band called Nirvana. Sure. And you've heard it. It's called Love Buzz. Yeah. Now, when does, like I said, when when does grunge really take off? When does it come to the attention of anybody else? Some people say it is simply because of Sub Pop. 
it's these people start putting it on record and the records make their way to this person to this person to this person and kaboom well that's that's all 88 89 that's right no, we had made references explode. to like 1981 a while ago so it was kind of lingering in the atmosphere the up until around. yeah right. up until that around. point when does it explode to the world around that time i guess well it explodes nirvana comes out what early 90s yes well it has to come to the attention of the world before the geffens of the world pick it up sure and take it off no when doubt. does it come to the attention well it starts being put on record thanks to sub pop mm-hmm. when does the world find out about it some people say because of sub pop mm-hmm. some other people say because of the uh the magazine melody maker you see in 1989 Pavitt and Poneman fly out Melody Maker journalist Everett True to write an article on the local music scene. Uh-huh. Is this what does it? Don't know. Maybe. Could be the fact that the records get out to people. Could be the fact that the journalist does it. But 89 puts it out there at just about the right time yeah. that people start to hear it. It sounds like there's no really one contrite thing that does it. It that's sounds the, like it's a combination of everything. Right. You know? Everybody wants to believe that Elvis Presley was found, clouds part, single beam of light. Ah, yeah. there's Elvis. No, it's it not really like the way that. it ever it happened. No. You'd love to be able to lick your finger and touch a timeline and go, there it is. Sure. That's where grunge was created. We'd all love to, but... There you go. There are the things that probably happened that got it started. Remind me to ask you something in just a bit, because this is a, 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 a maybe a false pretense of what everyone associates grunge with. And sure. I know it's probably a lot of people probably have it on their brain. And I'm going to hit you up with that in just a bit. You got it. Let me play another one that I was told by the people I spoke to at the EMP. Got to play these guys. This is Tad from Eight Way Santa. This is called Jack Pepsi. Another grunge that they thought was Jack just Pepsi. got to play. Oh, yeah. Sounds like this, Rock School. One night, me and my friend Jack Hilton from Nampa, Idaho, decided we're going to take his dance. Brand new 4x4 pickup out for ride. All right, going into the break here, and whoa, whereas I have other things to talk about, you said you wanted to hit something up to me. That's which right. Which makes me nervous because, nope. again, I don't know a great deal Doesn't about matter. this topic. This, I have what I was spoken to about. This Go ahead. show is about education, so my questions <laughs> okay. are important. All right, hit me. When you ask the average music listener, describe grunge. They'll yeah. tell you Seattle, yeah, depression, flannel shirts. <laughs> depression. Okay, so why, where did the concept of, if you're into grunge, you have ripped jeans, you wear flannel shirts, and you're angry at the world, and you're depressed? Where did that come from? Did I, these guys really have any sure. input for that? Uh, no, I'll be honest with you. I spoke mostly about the history of it uh-huh. to them. I'm assuming the, the look did not, I mean, you, you, I don't really think that the bands said to themselves, we shall create a fashion statement. Neither, I, did, neither did the 80s bands, but that's about big hair and leather. I think they did create a fashion statement. Oh, but they, I no, think, you said they didn't sit down and say, let's create a fashion statement. No, I think that's what they wore in Seattle. It was. It's not pleasant up there. Did you see people wearing flannel in yes. Seattle? Yes. Oh, sure. Now, not very much on the days I was there because uh, everybody said to me again and again and again, you hit it on the most 
perfect days we've had it's, in yeah. months. It's also very it rainy rains in Seattle, and, it co- and it's yeah. cold and such. You, so you, you wear went, jeans and flannel shirts. Right, you were there on the three three opposite days that they were right. having. Right, <laughs> I, I showed up on you know the days that that were unbelievable. Everybody was out in shorts and t-shirts but because you, they could be. But you know what I'm talking about, right? A lot of people associate grunge with right. flannel flannel attire and depression. Well, what they said to me was again, it was a a place where it rains a lot. It's dreary. It's it's normally not a very beautiful like we're from Louisiana. The sun lives here. Mm-hmm. We have sunshine. Today it's raining like crazy. This is an odd day. Yeah. No, we get rain just about every day during you know during the summer and such. But it rains for about an hour in the afternoon, and then out comes Mister Sun. Yeah. Everybody down here is happy. Yeah. Most of the time. Why? Because the sun shines. <laughs> It's hard to be unhappy when it's bright and sunshiny. So your theory behind behind the stereotyping of grunge has to do with the forecast. Yes. Oh, wow. That's, I was hoping for so much, something more, so much deeper no, than that. I think they dress the way they dress because of the weather, and I think there's a downer because they were, as the people said, it was a isolated area. It was a depressed area, uh-huh. uh, depressed economically. All depressed. Right. The bands weren't coming through. The bands had to DIY, and that's what came out of it. Rock that's, School is now on Twitter yeah. with the hashtag Joe, you're an idiot. It may be. Send us your tweets. Maybe that's one of the reasons I never got into grunge. I never understood, you know, everybody's life stinks. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Everybody's life has. What did George Carlin say? Life is a series of things that upset you and eight minutes of magic a day. <laughs> and you know why? Why sing about it? I... That's one of the things about grunge that always bothered me. That's why I like songs that are sort of escapes and mm-hmm. happiness and tell me a good story. That's why grunge never. Never really resonated that was with their me. escape, Doc. That's what they. That's what maybe it that's was. What it was. Maybe it was. Uh, hello, KLSU. Thanks for running the radio show. Hello, WBSD in Burlington, Wisconsin. See, it's cold up there, and y'all are not depressed. I don't know. You'd have to. You'd have to go ask. You know, and, and I'm not going to Burlington. <laughs> it's cold. <laughs> Where would I go to Burlington? <laughs> Back in a minute. Rock school. Okay, last break here in Rock School. Because of the length of the songs, we just sort of pushed it along. And I thought seriously about ending this show on Nirvana Smells Like Teen Spirit. But, mm-hmm. man, we've played that to death. We, we do play that a lot. We played that so much. We do play that a lot. There's just so many we didn't get to. We didn't get to play. Who else did we didn't get to play? Soundgarden. The Gits. We Alice didn't get Chains. to play Seven Year, which rhymes with uh, that. That other thing. Uh, Skin Yard. Mm-hmm. We didn't get to play Grunt Truck. Uh, Mad Season, other people that we were supposed to play. Let me tell you the last bit of information that I have here. Go. The first three bands that pop out, and again, if you believe that this Melody Maker was the first real thing that brought the majors in, Mm -hmm. the first three bands that pop out were Pearl Jam, which a lot of people don't believe was one of the major Influence was one of the first bands in terms of grunge. They thought sometimes people look at them and go, eh, you weren't really there. You weren't really around. They were formed sort of when it was starting to hit and then pop, 
they came well, out. Well, the people that like know it deeply yeah. will b- probably believe that. But if you ask anyone on the street, name a band out of the grunge movement not named Nirvana, Pearl I Jam. guarantee you they'll say Pearl Jam. They just had the most success. Mm-hmm. Soundgarden really yeah. has street cred yeah. street in the cred. world. <laughs> well, they do. Street cred. Well, Soundgarden was around from almost the get-go of oh, it. Yeah, sort of, they, they're sort of the Nirvana mm-hmm. equal. Hey, quick that. trivia question for you. Yeah. Soundgarden lead man Chris Cornell became the lead singer of what group for a short period of time? Uh, Come on. Uh, can't do it. Rage Against the Machine. Nick Did he really? Renamed him Audio Slave. Couldn't, couldn't have done it. See, I just God, don't know back. the... Just don't know the background of it at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says here, the Big Five shot down. Now, this is from Rolling Stone. The Big Five shot down there. Geffen Records purchased Nirvana's contract from Sub Pop, probably yeah. for nothing. <laughs> That's a thing, because you were talking a $600 advance on the first one. Yeah. My guess is they gave him something like $20,000, which to Sub Pop was, wow! Oh, you know, and that. then made jillions. Sure. Allison Change was signed up with Columbia. Pearl uh-huh. Jam signed up with Epic. Now, out of nowhere, boom, the whole thing takes off. Off. Yep, and Kurt Cobain says of Teen Spirit in his uh, last major interview, it's Rolling Stone issue six seventy four in nineteen ninety four. Uh, everyone focused on the song so much. The reason it gets big reaction is because people see it on MTV a million times. It's been pounded into their brains. Yep, but uh, that's the best I could do. That's after talking to people out there. And if you get a chance to go to Seattle, got to go up in the Needle Space Needle. Well, yeah, you know, you got to ride the monorail. You got to go down to the market. Go to Seattle Grace them. Hospital. Right, you got. I, I I went to the building where <laughs> did they you? did it. I watched them throw the fish. But the big thing is you got to go to EMP, the Experience Music Project, because it is super. Duper cool. You got a super duper. Yeah, (laughs) really, really enjoyed it. So, uh, if you're a fan of grunge, there you go. Hey, Doc. Best I could do. I'm gonna get a coffee. Good for you. I'm Joe Burns. I'm Chad P. There you go. Glasses dismissed.